Spirit of God with you in the room and with you at home this morning. Um, for those that might be new or haven't been around for a while, we're in the, towards the end of our series in Genesis, where we've been taking a look at our origin story. What um, a, a big question nowadays in culture is where do we come from, what are we about, and we're on week six now of going, doing that same journey, going into the Word of God in Genesis and looking at what you and I are about, what makes us who we are. And so we started off, obviously, with uh, Genesis 1, and we've been building through different things like creation. Uh, we moved on to work and rest and worked, uh, worked through some of the um, Word of God when it comes to men and women. And uh, this morning, I'll be honest, in, when I got the, the, the roster of where I would be and I saw my title, I was a little bit, whew, okay, that's, that's, that's interesting because I got origin of evil. And so this morning, we're going to have a look at this uh, topic uh, when it comes to our origin story of the origin of evil. And so I want to start off by saying that, uh, yeah, this, this topic of, uh, let's use the word, um, either evil or suffering, uh, things that go wrong in our world, um, in our Western slash suburban culture, we really don't do a good job at, at dealing with this. We try and almost do everything possible in our lives to avoid suffering and this, and to avoid it or ignore it or turn our head away from it. But um, this morning, we're going to take 25, 30 minutes to actually have a look at this and see what the implications are in our life. And so I want to put in two or three disclaimers up front, um, there's no ways I can get up here and really cover this topic in 30 minutes. Uh, we could do this over five weeks, I think, if you took a good look at this. So um, I'm going to ask for grace from you guys at home and yeah, for that. Um, and then secondly, uh, a topic like this needs a little bit of tenderness and humility and grace uh, on me and from you guys towards me, because I can't stand here and take into account everyone's experience when it comes to the topic of evil or suffering. Um, it really, uh, this is something that is extremely personal for people, and unfortunately, like I said, I can't take it from all perspectives. So I want to put that in there and saying there are probably people that as we go through this week and next week, that your story is, is or your experience um, might not be completely covered in this. And, I, and again, I want to ex ask for grace in both directions as we try and cover a big deal of a topic um, in a short space of time and trying to cover a lot of ground. And so um, I think we need to just be a bit humble when we come to topics like this and saying that we're not going to solve it with one easy scripture. Um, we don't get to go to somewhere in Matthew and say, right, that scripture sorted, let's carry on with it. This is a big deal, and it's a big thing, and it takes probably 99.9% .9 of your life, of how long your life is, to come to terms with this and, and get through the questions that this brings up. So I'm going to pray for us up front, if you don't mind, uh, for myself and then for you. So Father God, as we engage your word and we come to your word this morning, Holy Spirit, to ask for your presence, to ask for your grace and mercy on us, as we come to your word and allow your word to speak to us when it comes to things of this world that often don't make sense, that are complicated, that are hard, that are tough, and cause us to question and, and struggle. And so I ask that you lead us, that you uh, give us wisdom, 
and that we are able to see you, Jesus, at the end of this in a bigger way than before. Amen. So, right, the topic of the origin of evil and suffering. Like I said, it can be overwhelming and hard to process, and I would encourage you, if you find yourself asking these questions, or um, if you're a believer, I think one of the biggest questions we get confronted with in, in our faith is people saying, well, if there's a good God, how on earth can A, B, and C work? And so you might be in a place where you have to process this yourself, or you're in a place where people are asking this question of you. And like I said, I don't think you get to um, ignore it. Um, it's not something that you throw a hospital pass to some app or some scripture you read or something. It's something that I'm, I'm going to say you need to process for yourself and for your family or your friends. And uh, so there's no quick, easy fixes here. Up until now, we've worked through Genesis 1 and 2, and we've seen the story of creation. We've seen our mighty creator, God, um, at work creating everything on this earth, creating man and woman in his image. If I'm going to shorten this context before I jump into Genesis 3, I'd say we've seen the three Ds. We've seen dwell, uh, dominion, and, and dynasty. What I mean by that, we've seen how God has created in one, Genesis 1 and 2, and the big call there was for our, he created this and us to dwell in his presence. That was the call on us. Our origin story is to be image bearers and to dwell in God's presence. He then goes on to us and say, as well as that, um, my call to you as image bearers is to have dominion, to subdue and look after what resources and what creation I've made. You guys get to have dominion over it and, and, and exert the authority that I've given you over all I've created. He also helps us to see that actually we're also image bearers of his dynasty, his legacy, his kingdom, that we get to bear his image in his creation and add towards his kingdom. And so he's given us dwell, dominion, and dynasty. And that's our origin. It would, I want to encourage you to, if you process Genesis 3 and you get to Genesis 3, highly important, the origin of evil, what has gone wrong, but I would encourage you to always start with Genesis 1 and 2, to just start with Genesis 3 and come to it going like, right, I'm a sinner, and only that. You can sometimes get tripped up by how your relationship with God works then. I want to encourage you that you have to work this through from Genesis 1 saying, actually, my origin story is an image bearer to dwell, to have dominion, and be a part of his kingdom. But then, unfortunately, we get to Genesis 3, and the proverbial wheels come off because something goes wrong, i.e. humankind. And so let's jump into Genesis 3. I'm going to read it through once, and we'll get stuck into a couple questions that this should bring to us and what we should work towards answering. So Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the women, did God actually say... You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will surely not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was delight to the eye, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, 
she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man said to his wife, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and he said, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman who you gave me, man, we've all been there, hey, own it. The woman that you gave me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is it that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and Dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent, them out, sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man and at the east of the garden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword. Like I said, everything's going swimmingly in Genesis 1 and 2. We've got dwell, dominion, and we're a part of God's kingdom. And along comes Genesis 3, how we start seeing this almighty mess up where people make decisions and choices that have catastrophic consequences. And from this, this is when mankind gets to the point when they start asking questions like, well, if God is so good and he created everything, how on earth is there things like evil and suffering? The story in Genesis 3 is showing us that actually it was a deliberate act of independence and self-autonomy away from God that opened up this Pandora's box for you and I, bringing both evil and death into our world. And we have to take a moment, I want to spend two minutes saying that evil and death coming into our world, that's a massive thing there. And this morning, I want to cover a certain part of that, because if you speak to somebody that asks that question, even if it's yourself, we have to understand that that person is asking it from a certain perspective or experience. And so we do well to understand that there are some things that happen that causes suffering for you and I, purely on the basis that we fragile human beings living in a very broken world post-Genesis 3. We're living in a place now that no longer is dwell, dominion, and dynasty. We're living in a broken world where evil and sin and suffering are now a part of it. Things are broken. Things are not what they should be. And sometimes people are asking that question on the basis of something very personal or, in, or, or for themselves have gone wrong. Maybe it's sickness. Maybe your body has started failing you to the point that your mort mortality is right there on a plate in front of you. Things are going wrong in a big way. Maybe because of that, you've lost a loved one or a family member. Maybe it's something along the lines of a, 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 um, a sickness. Maybe 
someone's asking that question because, to put it bluntly, you just have to watch the news for 20 minutes in this country and you can get to the point of how on earth is this possible or why, why is this happening? And so I think it's very important as we, we come to this question or you try and answer this question is, is somebody asking that from a perspective of suffering and death? Or, or, or could they be answer, asking it from a question of like, what's going on in the world? Like tsunamis, earthquakes, accidents, which if you look at it, an earthquake and a tsunami is not evil in itself, but the consequences of it are detrimental. And so I want to say to you that often we have to understand why we're asking this question. Next week, I'm sticking to the origin of evil and how choices we make cause suffering and, and problems. Next week, Travis will be sharing on a very different part of it, but still connected on suffering when it comes to death or, or sickness and that kind of suffering. So this morning, I'm going to focus on the start of evil and how it came about. And so uh, we've heard people ask those questions, and I would ask that, you know, some suffering is related more to death and sickness, and some of it is related to people making choices. We're going to look at both sides. I'm going to stick to my side this morning. But uh, as we see in Genesis 3, both of these enter the world, evil and death enter the world, and things start taking a very left turn. And so we, once we've asked that question, it's like, why are we asking that question, or why is that person asking the question? I'm going to go through a couple questions that we need to process with ourselves and with people. Next question would be is, do you believe that it's possible for human beings to have free will without suffering? In a genuine, with all humility, ask myself and all of us, do you think that we can have free will or free choice and no suffering? You see, that's the point of Genesis 3. The tree represents this human decision to choose either what's right or what's wrong. It's my way or the highway. I will choose what's good for the human race or I'm going to choose what's good for me. Can there be no suffering with no free will? If it wasn't for the tree, it would be something else. Trust me. God would ask something else of you and me. And the reality is, more often than not, I decide to go like, no, no, I'll, I'll, I'll do it my way, thanks. Thanks for the offer, but I'm going to do it my It's a normal human response. And in, in 2021, the culture of live your best life now, just do you, you know, just... You know, everything's okay as long as your feelings of happiness are the main thing. Or like anything goes as long as you're not hurting someone, which I won't get distracted, define hurt. But that's the culture that we're in. You know, like do it your way. The same response of Adam and Eve back then happens right now. When the tree is before us, it's often me making a choice of like, oh, but you know what, if I choose that, then Anthony comes out on top of the pile. That's a better scenario than everybody being in the same boat. And so that Invictus poem that you know so well, that Sinatra song that we know so well, that I did it my way, you know, it, in, a, in a theory it sounds great, but actually it leads to a lot of problems when you and I live that way, where I'm going to do this my way, God, People out there 
live like that, and people in here, in church, live like that. Where, no thanks, God. I know you're asking that of me, but I'm going to do that. So my question is, is it possible to have free will without suffering? Like, I mean, let me ask you this. If I just got a sudden urge to slap Wes, I mean, a lot of you would agree he's got quite a slappable face, and uh, I had an urge to slap him. Yeah, I'm quick, bro. I'm quick. You big, but I'm quick. So, um, But if I chose, that's a choice that I would be able to make and go for it. For God to stop that, he would have to do a couple of things. Remove my ability to make that choice, if not remove my hands, so I can't do it. That's a really silly example. Let's get something a little bit more real. Driving in South Africa on our roads. Speeding. Have you ever sped? If you've ever slowed down for a camera, it means you're speeding. So I'm just saying, it's not a trick question. Uh, me and my wife got heated discussion about what qualifies as speeding. So, um, like, yeah, there's, there's a blurry area in our house there. I'm self-confessing. But have you, have you ever sped? Do you know that thousands of people die in this country every year because people make choices to drive drunk? They make choices to drive badly or speed. And their consequences of that cause great suffering. But it was a choice. People make choices in that. And so for God to stop all suffering would mean he would have to remove my decision-making to do what I have to do in a car and take away your ability to make those decisions to remove any possibility of suffering. Maybe a little bit more intense. What it, from personal family experience, extended family, years ago when I was a, a lot younger, someone one day made a decision to go into our family friend's house that were in full-time ministry and break into that house and steal their property and rape the lady that lived in that house. Someone made a decision to do that, that inflicted suffering. And so, this week we're looking at how this evil was, per, 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 I don't know how to say that word right now, caused in the garden, but it's caused even now, and a lot of it is based on us having free will, where God didn't say, right, I'm going to be a puppet master and control everything, he allows us this gift of free will, but the honest truth is we often make choices that cause suffering. Now, a lot of people will respond to that saying, yes, but those people that do those bad things take their rights away. Take it away. And that's a little bit of a problematic thing to look at because my question, again, very humbly to myself as I'm preparing for this and to you guys at home or in here, my question is, have you ever caused suffering? Have you ever caused suffering? I know I have. Many times. Be it in my own family, be it to friends or family. Maybe you've cut someone off in traffic, if not even caused an accident before. You ever made a choice that caused someone physical harm or pain? 
What about relational pain? Have you said or done something that has hurt someone to the core of their being? Ever assume something about somebody because of pure external factors or what they look like or how they sound? Ever prejudged them on that and said, well, because of that, I'm going to assume X, Y, and Z of you? Ever sat around your kitchen table or your dinner table and had a good chat about a whole bunch of people that would be very harmful if they walked into the room. You see, we often, most of us do, have done exactly the same things that we don't want other people to do. We pursue our freedom over others. We make choices based on what would suit Anthony and not suit the rest of the human race, just like Adam and Eve. That's what Genesis 3 is saying to us, is that we ask God, why is there so much suffering? And God actually goes, you tell me. You tell me when it comes to this part of suffering. You tell me why there's so much suffering. Why those choices were made by that person. Or why you made that choice. What Genesis 3 shows us is that the line between good and evil is not out there cosmically between the devil and God or out there between certain groups of people, the line of good and evil runs straight down here through the middle of Anthony, through the middle of you, where we get to have this thing called free will that we need to exercise. And so, am I living out my gift of free will, my gift of life, to what I was called to, to the benefit of humankind? Or do I live out that gift of free will purely for my needs and my wants? This is scary if you're a parent. Because then you soon work out that actually what I do is transferable. Like, like what I do actually gets imitated. So in preparing for this, I had a few little like <gasps> moments when I realized like actually the kind of decisions Anthony makes could potentially be the implications of what the LaRuffa family legacy ends up being. I could make choices because of that line that affect my children, my wife, their children, their wives. What we do with that free will is a massive thing. And to just have an attitude of like, yeah, but wipe out those people that have done that. It's not really the way to go. As John Blanchett says, at what level should God intervene? We might say that he should not have allowed the worst offenders like Hitler of this world to do what they did. But what about the next level? Say thugs, sadists, rapists, child abusers, and drug pushers. Should God stop, step in and stop them? If he did so, another layer of offenders would become the worst. Say drunk drivers, shoplifters, burglars, and like that. We argue like this we would soon get to the point at which we would be demanding that God should intervene to prevent all evil. Would you settle for that? Would you settle for it if it meant all your thoughts, all your words, all your actions were controlled by a cosmic puppet master, robbing you of all freedom and responsibility? The reality is for God to destroy all suffering, it would mean you would have to destroy me and he would have to destroy you.
for God to remove that layer of people over there, it's a dangerous sliding scale that I've worked it out. I went through this. So we get rid of the Hitlers of the world. Then we get down to the, the, the less. At some point, we're going to hit corrupt politicians. And then after that, corrupt FIFA officials. And, you know, we'll work our way down. Eventually, we'll get to that point where we're, God, please get rid of all pop music and pop artists. Okay? And then all of a sudden, Anthony is like the next level down. And I'm like, oh, sure, but I'm on top of the pile now. And trust me, there are more than a handful of people there saying, God, how on earth can you let Anthony LaRuffa be alive? Do you know what he did? But that's the slippery slope. We take ourselves down when we look at it that way. The only alternative to this is that God would make it possible for human beings with a tendency for evil and making choices that suit ourselves and to, to get rid of our old ways and be something different. Make a way for us. Sound familiar? It almost sounds like the gospel, you know? To trust him to show us how we were created to live. So Genesis 1 and 2, remind us of that. And then to empower us and enable us to not live in Genesis 3, but to actually carry on with his dynasty and his kingdom and dwell and have dominion. It's exactly what the Christian gospel is. It's made it possible for us to make a fundamental shift of that line that runs before it, tendency to very to making choices that suits Anthony over and above anybody else, to actually going, no, this choice I'm going to make, I'm going to process it through my creator God and what he, he had in mind when he made me. It's, possi it's possible in Jesus to turn away from living self-seeking, independent from God. It's called Repentance. He opens up that door for us to repent and say, actually, I want to turn away from that. Seven tires with the old ways. Baptism. Trusting Jesus to teach me how to live. Faith and fellowship. Community. And relying on him to help me through those tough decisions, i.e. the Holy Spirit. There is a, an alternative. The only solution is for God to fundamentally change the hearts of human beings. Ezekiel 36, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. See, it's not all bad news. It's not all like, let's just stay in Genesis 3. God makes a way. I don't think there's a better worldview for the world in 2021 than this. Because if we go down the roots of what we saw in Genesis 3 and we, and we live in, the, in, in 2021 where there is no God and that doesn't exist and we're all just who we are and it's me and myself and, and, and I and there's no God, we just all emerge from a primordial soup and we are what we are, then the next question would be is, why is suffering a problem for you? Why is suffering a problem for you? If that is the case, if there's no God. Anybody out there would argue with you if you said that. Because I think when we follow the, if we look into the word of God, that's not, the that's not possible. You and I are greatly affected by this. You and I sit here and most people sit here going, no, 
the stuff that's happening is wrong. It shouldn't happen. There's something fundamentally wrong with it. And I can tell you that now, that doesn't, that sense of injustice, that sense of this not being right, does not come from a place where you just came from a soup of cosmic dust. We have that feeling exactly because of Genesis 1 and 2. We were created in his image. Something went wrong, but that underlying thing in you and I that knows this should not be right comes from our creator God. That's why we feel that way when these things happen. In a world that says there's no God, it makes no sense that we actually care about suffering. It doesn't. It can't be an issue if you're going to say that. No God, then I'm going to say, but look at nature, man. Strong, dominating, weak. That's the way it is. You cannot complain about it. But that's not our reality. Genesis 1 and 2 shows us that. So asking these five questions of people and ourselves really should help us and cause us to, to move, move uh, past uh, being sucked into this thing of, of just seeing the evil and the suffering of the world. Because then what, what hope is there for us? What hope is there for us? Verse 7 says this in Genesis 3. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And it goes on at the end. Remember I said that? And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Yes, things have gone horribly wrong. Things are not what they should be. You and I live in a broken world as very, very fragile human beings with free will that often make dumb decisions or bad decisions. Other people out there make, if not evil, decisions. But we don't get left there. God never leaves us there. He always makes a way. He made a way for Adam and Eve. And we see the, the, the imagery of where God takes, up until then there hadn't been death in creation. But even in their mistake, even in their bad choice, God says, I'm going to make a way. I'm going to sacrifice an innocent animal that's done nothing wrong and take those skins and clothe you. And even in that bad mistake that you've made, there's still going to be a way. There's going to be, that's not the ending to the story. And I think that's a foreshadowing of what we see in the New Testament. Again, what hope could we look for then? while we're still exiles in this broken world. Imagine there was a committee of people that were appointed, okay, who had faced all sorts of worst sufferings in this world. Imagine that they, were, they had to meet to decide on what, what God would, it, would, would have to be in place or would have had to go through what to understand suffering that you and I experience in this world. Those who are poor would say he should be homeless and hungry and constantly moving from place to place. Nowhere to belong. Those who had lost, lost loved ones would say he has to lose a family member and a close friend. Outcasts would have him face a major social stigma, even accusation of illegitimacy. Victims of apartheid in this country could rightly say he must be oppressed by another people group and maybe grow up without 
citizenship and limited rights. Those who were abused would say he should face physical violence, humiliation, abandonment, betrayal, and the perpetrators must never get caught or punished. Those whose lives were cut short might say he should be murdered in his prime. Others might say his family should watch him suffer. Maybe, maybe that God should actually stop looking at you the way he used to look at you. Sound familiar? It's surely the most profound and far-reaching suffering any person could go through. And there's only one God that could meet that criteria. Our Savior, Jesus Christ. who went through all of that because he's a God that can answer your suffering. He can engage in your suffering. He can be there with you in your suffering. The gospel is just that. Jesus endured all of that for you and me. He, he makes a way where we cannot live in that moment forever, but he makes a way for you and me to move past that suffering. It doesn't say that he, it, he takes it away for us, but he, he meets us in our place of suffering and helps us to, to work through it and get through it to see eternity in mind. As C.S. Lewis writes, some mortals say of some temporal suffering, no future bliss can make up for it, not knowing that heaven, once attained, will work backwards and turn ev even that agony into a glory. Genesis 3 teaches that, that we are a people who are all too capable of making bad choices or doing silly stuff, if not harmful stuff, that harms yourself, if not the people around you. But often just making decisions based on what Anthony feels like or what Anthony should deserve, that you and I are closer to that origin story of Adam and Eve that we often like to admit, that we often find ourselves in Adam and Eve's position Responding in the way Adam and Eve responded. And us and ourselves have no way of fixing it. We're just too fragile and we live in too much of a broken world. And often they're not, not desiring to dwell with God. But more desiring to be like God. Genesis 3 helps to remind us that suffering is wrong. It should not be like that. It shouldn't. It gives meaning and legitimacy to your pain. And that sense of injustice also, or that sense of, 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 of wrong that you feel. Because it teaches us that it's not supposed to be like this. But it does not end there. Like I said, God always makes a way. He made a way for Adam and Eve, and he's made a way for you and us. That is, he's put Jesus in places that you and I, a lot of us, have, will never experience and never experience. And we have a God that can sympathize with us. We have a God that can understand what we're feeling. He can see that injustice. He can see that suffering. And he still says, I will dwell with you. You can dwell with me. You can be in my presence even through those things. 
So I'm coming in for a landing. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. If you don't mind, I'd love us to sing just once through that song that we sang in the beginning. Because here's the reality. Contrary to what social media might want us to think, that everybody's life is not going perfectly. There are people in this community, in this family, going through real, real things. Real things. Maybe that's not you now. And I'm going to ask us to stand, if you don't mind, so let's stand. And one of the gifts that God gives us is that in your suffering, when you're going through these things, you know what? He puts this beautiful thing of community in place for you to, to process that stuff in community, not in isolation, not by yourself, but he allows you to, to work through that things in community. And I'm going to ask us, we're going to sing that song, One Thing Remains. And as we sing those words, we're going to be reminded of Genesis 1 and 2, that yes, Genesis 3 is not the end of the story. It's not the way it should be. But it still is a reality for some people. Some people are suffering today. Some people have suffered and they're still struggling through it. For those of us in the room, maybe at home, I'm going to ask if you're not in that place to sing as, not necessarily loud, but as, as strong and as encouraged as you can be. Because there's some people t- today that probably can't even mutter a word right now because of what they're going through. But we have a gracious God that always makes a way. So I'm going to pray for us and we're going to go into a time of worship. And if you're suffering uh, in, in, the, in any way, I'd encourage you, don't perceive yourself to have to process that in isolation and by yourself. Know that God makes a way. He puts people around you. In, uh, I'll be up in front. There will be some other leaders. For those of you at home, you can make contact with us. But for those of us that can sing with full, strong hearts, let's go for it. Let's worship our Creator God of Genesis 1 and 2. And um, yeah, lift our voices for the people that might not be able to do that today. Father God, as we worship you now, I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd lead us. For those that are suffering, that find themselves in tough, tough places, God, I pray that as we worship you, God, that your presence would be more clear than it ever has been. Holy Spirit, that they would feel the peace of God on their lives, that they would feel a sense of hope that this will not last forever, that this is not it, that you're calling us to your kingdom, that all the things of this broken world are temporary when we look at you. Father God, hear our prayers this morning. Hear our worship. Amen.